Hi there, I'm Adam Gonzalez. And I'm Jesse Espinoza. And this is Creepy Crawling Cryptids, where we talk to you about your creepy crawling creatures from crypts to creeks. Today we'll be focusing on the most terrifying demons, possessions, and exorcisms. Let's go, All right. Man. Well, how about let's start with uh, <laughs> signs that you're possessed. Oh, yes, these are the best. I have all of these. So, there's aversions to the sacred. Yep. So, you're unable to enter a church or look at a crucifix or any sort of holy symbol. I never go to church. Well, the thing is that actually, every time I go to church, I get real cold hands. Wait, is that that real? (laughs) Yeah, like the last couple times I've been in a church, my hands get real cold. So, so let's, I'm just going to derail this episode right off the bat. Uh, I've read it throughout all the all the stuff we researched uh, this these past couple of days. Um, I read that sometimes possessions aren't just like inherently like being possessed, but like there's a dark entity that is affecting your life in negative ways. So like depression, being sleepy all the time, uh, cold hands. So Jesse, maybe maybe go hang out with a priest. Just maybe. Well, anyway, so the next, <laughs> one of the next signs uh, is knowledge of hidden things. So things, oh. anything that the person shouldn't know, or maybe they speak a language they don't know, or speaking in tongues. Um, I can 100% tell you that speaking in tongues is the scariest thing ever. Um, I used to sleep talk a lot, and it would just be gibberish, but sometimes it would sound like tongues. Like, my mom would record me. And uh, it was real unpleasant. That's kind of creepy. Have you ever sleep talked? Yeah. It's it's weird. it's a weird thing. I've woken myself up from my sleep talk. Have you really? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Something. It, I'm I'm gonna leave. I'll. <laughs> no, come back. I'll stay for the episode. That's it. All right. Another sign is superhuman strength. <laughs> That's, uh, um, there's epileptic. Epileptic-like seizures, uh, if the person coils up their body kind of like a snake or like contort their body in weird ways, uh, eyes rolling to the back of their heads, foaming at the mouth, growling like an animal, strong stenches, uh, a lot of the times the temperature in the room will drop, and just levitation. Stink, just being a stinky boy? Yeah, if you're a sneaky boy that can oh, fly, man. you probably... He's, he's such a stinky boy! And he's like, wait, the Catholic priest is like, what did you say? Did you say he was stinky? And he's like, well, yeah, like, he smells pretty bad all the time. The Catholic priest was like, bring me to your friend now. <laughs> so yeah, those are the usually the signs of, uh, of de- demonic possession. Um, yeah, so on top of that, uh, demons themselves... Uh, are kind of creatures of chaos, uh, depending on what religion you do or don't believe in. Uh, demons are just these malignant forces um, that are just really there to corrupt uh, anything positive, um, and especially the weak. So, you know, people with mental illness, people who are sick and stuff like that, they target those who need uh, help, and they, they pervert their uh, want for help. They also can take the shape of like animals, kind of anything. There's no real description of what one demon looks like. You know, there's multiple descriptions of it. Um, actually, that's a that's a good segue into the the exorcism book that exorcists carry, because one of the recent sort of um, 
sort of uh, changes made into the of exorcism and certain supplications. Or in Latin, it's de exorcism et supplicatiobus quibusadam. Sound... Don't, uh, don't quote us on that, yeah. please. Yeah, so actually one of the recent changes they made is that they took out uh, several depictions of Satan because a lot of the church's doctrine basically state that the devil is a spirit without a body, without color, and without odor. So it's sort of the the view is more of like Satan is a metaphysical or spiritual being and doesn't really have any physical form. Um, yeah, and some of what I've gone through uh, recently, there was a U.S. conference of Catholic bishops and uh, they had discussed exorcisms and the related supplications, which is a handbook that contains the rite of exorcisms. And they just now translated to English which this rite had been updated last in 1998 and a couple years later after that, but this is the very first time that it's been translated out of Latin to English. So in these past couple of years, uh, exorcism and possession has become such a prevalent issue brought to Catholic priests that they felt a necessity to make the book more wide, like more widely uh, accessible on a man named... So they called him Frenchy, but his real name was Maurice Thorol. Thorolt? Uh, Therolt? Something. Maurice, but we're going to call him Frenchy. That was what everybody else called him. And uh, it is a very peculiar case of demonic possession, one of which that famous demonologist and paranormal detectives, Ed and Lorraine, were called into. Uh, when they got called to this case, they had been doing some work lately, and this was just as they started to gain a bit of, notor- gain a bit of notoriety, um, such as from their... Um, they made movies off of it. The Conjuring? Uh, no, 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 no. The uh, Amityville. The Amityville oh, case. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is after their, their studies of the Amityville case. So, um, Frenchie was raised by an abusive father and was a farmhand for his father for most of his young life. Um, his father was just, you know, abusive in every way, oh, real emotional, physical. Sounds like the foundation of mental health issues. Yeah, 100%. And so he felt so, uh, and th- this, you know, this is what the story entails, that he felt so helpless that he was praying and asking for any help that he could get from anything. And <clears throat> the idea is that he opened him himself up to even the help of the devil. Or of a devil. And um, so after praying to multiple... Whoever would... After praying to who would have him, who would help him, uh, he began getting um, super strength, I guess you could say. As he said, one of those... Yeah, yeah, he was having... I mean, say what you want about Satan, but, like, he'll help you out if you ask. You just have... You don't have to ask nicely. Granted, it's a pretty steep price to pay. Yeah, but he'll help. You always got the... Big man downstairs, though, looking after you if you need his help. Oh, he's looking. He's looking after himself. You know, like he's getting. He's getting what he wants. Yeah, I guess you have to be a real good fiddle player or something <laughs> to be able to get get something out of Satan. Hey, you might be a pretty good fiddle player, boy, but give the devil his due. That's that's such a good song, and that's such a good second song to the first song. Yeah, I love. I actually really like the second one more than the first. <laughs> the se- 
I think the second one has better uh, fiddle riffs. I think yeah. it has better music. But overall, it's a, it's a neat story to tell. Um, anyways. So we get to Frenchie, and uh, as, a, as a young boy, 15, 16, he's performing feats of strength that even grown men aren't performing. He's doing things on the farm that normal men cannot do. And so he spends his time working on the farm. He drops out of school. And eventually, there's an instance, and it's very vague, and I did... I attempted to do as much research on this as I can. Like, I found, um, first in the Paranormal Zone, a website we found, um, was the main story. And I tried to go through other, like, sources to see what exactly happened. But there's no real, like, even, even Frenchie wouldn't talk about what happened. But apparently, there was an instance where he went into the barn and saw some type of sex occurring between some things uh, animals humans who he's so ambiguous about it but he apparently uh was a part of it uh he, oh. he was forced to be a part of it oh, okay. by whatever it was and so you know uh a normal uh non not non-believer but someone who would think that frenchie's uh, afflictions stem from um his mental illness would think that his father was just, you know, a molester and was doing who, I mean, if you're molesting, you're probably having sex with animals. And so, yeah, so there's a lot of theories floating around, but no one really knows what Frenchie, what terrible sexual experience Frenchie had had. So eventually he moves away. He's an adult and, um, he is living. Sorry, I have to find it. Uh, he's now living, it's the spring of 1985, and he's in this little town, and the, t- oh, he settled down in a town called Warren, and so this little town noticed little signs of something being off with our, with our pal Frenchie here, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, okay, something's wrong. He seemed normal enough. He was a nice guy. He never really caused issues. However, um, it seemed as though, like, chaos followed. There was times where on his, uh, at his farm, there would just be fires. Fires would just randomly erupt. Uh, there were instances of what they dubbed the second, uh, Frenchie, who would appear literally, so say we're in a bedroom, uh, the second Frenchie would appear in the living room. And this happened on multiple occasions around multiple people. It's not just the family cooperating it, it's multiple um, townsfolk who have been over to Frenchie's seeing, oh, Frenchie's in this room, but then when they go to talk to him, he doesn't talk to him, and he just disappears, and they go to the other room, and Frenchie's also in that room. Ooh, I would leave immediately. I'd be like, I don't know <laughs> right? what's happening, but I'm not going to be like, part of this. Uh, hey, Frenchie, uh, weren't you just in the kitchen? He's like, nah, man, I was, I've been um, in here the whole day. Uh, where does this take? Where is this? Uh, it was in the 1980s, and I believe... I want to say Massachusetts. Oh, yeah, so, Warren, Massachusetts. So white people. Yeah, MA is Massachusetts, right? <laughs> uh oh. I think so. Uh, I just I would like to say that um, our schooling system has failed me in terms of geography. I I don't know maps. Yeah, we both went to public California schools. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So you know we we know some stuff. I'm ninety percent sure it's Massachusetts. Anyways. Um, yeah, so they, 
they've seen stuff like that happen and Frenchie also has lapses of time where he doesn't recall what happened Ooh. he'll blank out and just have like a, a, a blank stare the family recalls and um, so the biggest red flag was when Frenchie it turned... wasn't it wasn't teleporting no one was like <laughs> this dude can teleport but you know that's probably cool oh no it it only gets worse yeah uh, so the biggest red flag to them was when he took all of his guns and turned them into the sheriff. Oh, he had guns? And said, don't give these back to me. Oh. He explicitly told the sheriff, do not let me have these guns. So um, as some studies of on exorcisms and demonic possessions have discussed, uh, demons sometimes could influence you to do violent things that you normally wouldn't do. So perhaps he was having these ideas or violent thoughts and felt that he was going to kill his family. He was going to Amityville up in this bitch. Mm-hmm. You you know the Amityville story, right? I don't. You don't? No. Oh, so he just, he pretty much went crazy and axe murdered his whole family. Oh. But then he was like, nah, man, the, <laughs> the ghost made me do it. It was like a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and people were like, wait, did people believe that a ghost made him do it? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, good. And then, but then people do think the house is haunted now. And Ed oh. and Lorraine even checked it out. That could yeah, be. Okay. We could focus on that in another episode. Yeah, that yeah like that'll be episode. a great another. Ed and we could just have a whole Ed and Lorraine episode. Yeah. Anyways, um, so things are just getting real rough for uh for Frenchie here, and um, so yeah, so one of the more disturbing uh, activities was another Frenchie appearing here and there, oh. as well as um. Uh, oh, as well as he would sometimes just uh wake up covered in blood oh not his blood and there was never bodies found and his house would bleed (laughs) could you say that again um the walls of his home the non-living wooden walls of a home yeah would bleed i would just burn down the house (laughs) right and so uh who but our heroes, Ed and Lorraine Warren, were contacted, and uh, they've 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 been around the block a couple of times with with this wild stuff, and they're like, all right, it's time to really you know go check it out. So they get there, and they bring their team, and they start seeing shit immediately. Mm-hmm. Like things are happening. I mean, like, I mean, like a bleeding house. <laughs> yeah. Well, so even like they said. Things constantly occurred around other people, so clearly it was non-discriminate about who saw what was going on. It's, oh sorry, oh, belch. man, I can't get over the bleeding house because <laughs> I I consider myself a skeptic. But if I see a house bleeding, I'm going straight to pillaging. No, it's it's time to tizzy tap out. Yeah, that's that's game. Although, where did the demon get the blood? I mean, he lived on a farm, right? Yeah, but no, that's the thing is. Things never died. Like oh. there, in this case, there were zero's carcasses, zero carcasses bodies or anything found. Mm. It would just be unknown blood. And maybe he like kept it in buckets. <laughs> I don't know. The demon just had stockpiles of blood. He's like, oh no, I just hit up the local uh, blood dispensary. Anyways, Ed and Lorraine Warren, they get down there with their team, and uh, it's it's real active right off the bat, and then it becomes uh, slightly violent. Uh, the team, some of the team members would be followed home by something. Ugh. Yeah, and they were harassed in where they were staying uh, in the town of Warren. And also, there were a couple team members who were physically accosted 
by an entity of sorts. So Ed and Lorraine are like, oh, yeah, let's get a Catholic priest on this shit yeah. right now. We're going to throw some holy water on it and get up out of this. So they call up a Catholic priest, of, uh, Catholic priest friend. Um, so the Warrens made a decision that this was not a normal haunting, but a, a case of possession. And they called the Bishop Robert McKenna, who agreed to perform the exorcism, even though he was not sanctioned by the church. So, oh, uh, so we got a rogue one? <laughs> sort of. Well, so the thing is, exorcisms can technically be performed by anybody who has strong enough belief. Uh, you just kind of have to force it out. You have to have yeah. more will. But the Catholic Church has specifically sanctioned exorcists that they have do these things. And so this bishop was not an exorcist, but there wasn't one anywhere near or on call, so he decided to help his friends out. Yeah, I think it's one of those situations you just get the closest dude. Yeah, for sure. The close, closest dude in a robe who can throw some water at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... After examining Frenchie, Bishop McKenna began the ritual. During the Battle of Wills, as they dub it, uh, the demon identified itself by the name I am what I am, and you say I am proud, and also invoked the name of Kingdom, uh, often referred to uh, as, like, legions of the evil forces attempting to corrupt humans. Mm -hmm. So it was saying, and who knows, you know, but it was saying that it was this big bad demon. And um, so the exorcism was successful. Uh, apparently, Ed Warren almost lost his life um, during this. Mm-hmm. And smaller hauntings still occurred on the farm, but nothing as large scale as what they were experiencing. And teleporting people and None of that. Houses. None of that. Just just little stuff. Just like just like stuff falling over. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's the wind. Uh, get out. No, it was just the wind. That was just a breeze. It's like, it asked us to leave. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. It was the breeze. Um, so, Frenchie was later arrested for sexual abuse of a minor. Oh, and man. there was an idea that he had much to gain from the insurance on his failed farm that he received damage from what the demon had done to the farm. Um, so... He got a lot of money from this, like, from everything that went down. However, the one big part of this is that everyone vouches for those who were inside of the case. Everyone considers the Warrens, all of their team members, and most other people very credible sources in this case. So, yeah, that's the story of Frenchie. Okay, so I'm going to tell you about Annalise Mitchell. Dun, dun, dun. She was born in a city I can't pronounce in West Germany. <laughs> I I respect that. In 1952. <laughs> so, this story is the inspiration for the movie The Exorcism of Emily Rose. That's a, that's a, that's a freaky-ass movie. I've never seen it. It's not pleasant. Yeah, well, this story isn't pleasant either. <laughs> so. No, yeah. <laughs> Anything... Granted, anything to do with exorcism is never pleasant. Yeah, that's just how these things go. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, she was so as a kid, she was an average young woman. Uh, she was a little quiet, but other than that, she seemed pretty average. She was raised Roman Catholic and went to mass twice a week. So they were doubling up on those Jesus bucks. She was your everyday Catholic girl. Mm-hmm. But then. Tragedy strikes when she turns 16 and she has a severe epileptic epileptic fit and has sleep paralysis. Yeah. That's not good. This is... Have you ever had sleep paralysis? Um, 
Once or twice. Yeah, I had it once. And I actually thought there was a person standing over me, too. Well, yeah, but that's just your brain fucking you out. Yeah. Or no, it's a demon. <laughs> yeah, well, when it happened to me, I remember I saw it, and I was scared for a second, I'm like, oh, no, this isn't real. And I stared at it, and I was like, oh, it was just my, my clothes in my closet were in a weird way. Yeah, it's usually... It's usually just your head. But, yeah. I mean, I'm a firm believer. I'm not... Okay. <laughs> so, uh, they went to the doctor, but... Nothing was really found wrong with her, so they just started giving her a whole bunch of drugs, like all the drugs for the brain she got. <laughs> um, no, yeah, this doesn't sound flawed at all. Oh, no. They couldn't figure out what it is, so they just filled her up with drugs? There's no way this could backfire. <laughs> no, not at all. So uh, when she's 20, she starts hearing things, uh, mainly voices, damning her to hell. Oh, so schizophrenia. Uh, we'll talk about that. It, it's it's not schizophrenia, but it's actually pretty interesting. Like, oh, what okay. it turns out to be. Well, it, it's not confirmed what it is, but that's what they think it yeah. was, right? So yeah, so a bunch of voices damning her to hell. Uh, she sees demon faces and she smells burnt feces, which other people can smell. Oh, yeah. So and she also has trouble walking past crucifixes, and she refuses to drink holy water. <laughs> but. Would you drink holy water? To prove I'm not a demon, yes. Oh, yeah. Well, so, um, for anyone who is Catholic and goes to Catholic Church, they have little holy water, like, bowls that you stick your fingers into as yeah. you walk in. So if they try to make me drink that, it's like, oh, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I wouldn't no, drink out of that. Be like, can I get a clean? Yeah, I'd rather be exercised. <laughs> <laughs> One day, this is, so, so things are bad, and things just get worse. Yeah. So, according to her mom, Annalise was staring at a statue of the Virgin Mary. Uh, her eyes went jet black, and she had claws. <laughs> uh, but she had like bare paws too. I've heard. I've heard some of this. Yeah. So uh, they take her to a new neurologist, uh, and this neurologist, Doctor Luthy, tells them. Hey, you should go see a priest. <laughs> he, he he later on he claims he didn't say that, but look. So I'm sure he did. But as a doctor, yeah. when they're like, "No, the doctor told us," he was like, "Shit, shit, 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 shit." Like, nah, man. I I'll, I would have lost my license. Yeah. I would never have said that. And in the back, he's just like, <clears throat> "Sorry." Like, <laughs> that kind of reminds me of a story in India the lead engineer for, like, a plane sacrificed a goat to make sure the plane would fly, and I'm like, I wouldn't get on that plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, the thing that bugs me is if your technology is, the lines are blurred between goat sacrifice and jet engines, Yeah, that's troubling. Yeah. I don't have much faith in that engineer. Any hoozle. <laughs> so, they take her to a Freudian psychiatrist, and a neurologist, and they diagnose her with neurotic... She's neurotic with epileptic, ep, epileptic patterns. You've been having a hard time with that word all day. Yeah, I don't... I can't say that word, apparently. Uh, so, so this entire time, they just have her on all kinds of drugs. They're, ta they're putting her on drugs, they're taking her off drugs. It's just all the drugs. Oh, yeah, that's definitely good for you. Yep. All right, so it gets worse. Mm. So, when she's 22... Uh, all she would do is pray, she wouldn't sleep, uh, and she would eat bugs, 
and her own urine when she would pee on the floor and stuff. Oh, man. So, uh, when she wasn't praying or eating bugs or drinking urine, uh, she would destroy crosses and religious art. <laughs> and also, her family claims that she had superhuman strength and that she, even at one time she was able to throw her sister like she was a rag doll. And she also made an apple explode with one hand. She just crushed it till it uh, exploded. Have you ever tried to crush an apple? Yeah. Um, with two hands. And for reference, I'm not a big person, but I'm I'm pretty a little above average in terms of strength. I it's difficult to crush an apple with two hands. Yep. This girl did it. And she's <laughs> yeah. So at this point, uh, they meet up with the father Rodwick. Uh, so he's an expert on exorcism and believes that she is possessed. And a bishop uh, approves of the exorcism, but they have to do it in secret. <laughs> Doesn't sound like it was approved to me. <laughs> well, they claimed it was approved, so... <laughs> Anywho, they get Father Renz to do the exorcism. So in September, she's exorcised for the first time. And that's the first of many exorcisms. And actually, some of them are recorded, so you could actually listen and watch some of these exorcisms. Yeah. And they're awful. So, actually, after you've gone deeper into this, um, I've realized that I've, I've read some, some about this, and I have listened to the exorcisms, and they are horrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are uh, traumatizing, one might say. Yeah, I listened to just a part of one, and I was like, that's enough for me. Yeah, and the the crazy thing is she doesn't like sound human. Like yeah, you know, it yeah, sa- yeah, it sounds, sounds messed up. She sounds like a demon. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so she claims that she is possessed by Judas, Nero, Cain, Hitler, and possibly the devil, because <laughs> that's, that's she claimed because in the beginning she claimed she was possessed by Lucifer, but then said that she was lying. So I don't know about that. <laughs> so I don't know if the devil's just being sneaky, well, or if Hitler was like, "I'm the devil." I don't know. Why? Why would demons tell the truth? Yeah, point. Well, because like that's a point of power against the demon is knowing the true name. Yeah, but if you're the devil, wouldn't you want to be like make your presence known? Like, motherfucker, I'm the devil. No, because remember in the in the Bible, he's like, "I'm a little snake. I just eat the apple." It was just a red fruit. It wasn't an apple. Could have been a pomegranate. Yeah, it actually could have been a banana. A red banana? It could have been a banana. But a red banana. So it Does specifies it specifically red. say red? Yeah, it specifies oh. red. It never says banana, but people just correlate red to banana. Uh-huh. Let's just assume it was a banana. But it's really just an analogy for knowledge, yeah. and the Catholics didn't want people to learn. So the analogy is just implying that knowledge is evil. Yeah, that's a real bummer. Yeah. <sighs> a lot of mythology is everything's great and then a woman whoa. shows up and screws it up <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa don't call christianity mythology man you're gonna you're gonna stress people out <laughs> any who's a we'll just go past that <clears throat> so I'm gonna cut that out later <laughs> uh so there's also another demon within her which is valentine fledgerman oh that's definitely a demon yeah so he was a priest that was kicked out of the church in the 1500s so the the priest that was doing the exorcism believed that she wouldn't have knowledge of this guy. I, I was actually going to say that. Like, the fact that she was even able to say the name, yeah. why would she know anything about him? Well, she also went to Mass twice a week. But so. 
in mass, I mean, I've gone to multiple, like, Catholic school. Like, I've gone yeah. through Catholic, uh, Catholic schooling. They don't really mention priests that got excommunicated. Yeah, I guess you got they a point. Catholics, the Catholic Church doesn't recognize their wrongdoings. <laughs> yeah, you know, he actually convinced me on that one. So, <laughs> so, yeah, so she knows something that she probably shouldn't. So, at 23, things still get worse. Uh, she's just banging her head against the wall and would bite herself and other people. So, it was so bad that they had to tie her down. So, she wouldn't eat because she claimed that she wasn't allowed to eat because it would give the demons less control over her as long as she didn't eat. So, although she was malnourished, she was still incredibly strong. And would be would still be able to kind of fight them off. So towards the end, all she would say during her exorcism was, please, absolution. And she died of starvation at 23 after 67 exorcisms. Yeah. When she died, she was only 66 pounds. That's, that's, that's like nothing for a grown woman. Yeah. So also another detail is that her knees were broken from praying so much. Uh, so, and then, so her body was looked at, and so it was determined that her death would have been preventable if they seeked a medical attention at least a week before her death, so she could have been saved. Yeah. <clears throat> but she was crazy and didn't want medical attention, so she, she actually refused medical attention a lot, but she's also crazy. So, then this goes into the trial. So, Germany's like, that's not cool, you can't just tie your kid down and exercise them 67 times and let them die of starvation. Yeah. So her parents and the two priests uh, are put on trial for negligent homicide in 1978. So basically their defense was that the German constitution protects those who want to exercise their religious beliefs. So it's kind of like the Wendigo guy. Yeah, it's uh, that whole freedom of religion thing uh, where it's like, whoa, this is what I believe though. And you can't throw me in prison for it. Yeah, so that was their sort of main argument. They also t- gave eyewitness testimony, eyewitness testimonies and recordings of the exorcism as evidence that she was actually possessed. Right. And that a lot of people like, were able to say that she constantly refused medical attention. Mm. Uh, so Father Alt did have a Dr. Richard Roth come down to look at her. But the doctor said that he came down as not a doctor, but just out of, but as a scientist, because he wanted to check <laughs> yes. it out. So Doctor Roth claims that uh, she was all good. What, although you know she was, she didn't eat or anything. But he's like, looks cool on the outside. Oh. So some more evidence is that uh, when the autopsy was done. They said her brain was healthy and wasn't damaged in any way that would cause epileptic seizures. Uh, she also did not have ulcers, which is found in starvation victims. And their final piece of ed- evidence is that the exorcisms worked. Right before her death, they were able to get the demon out of her. Or demons. Huh. Yep. So, so the, thing, the, the biggest thing for me is the fact that her brain had no lesions on it and no signs of anything that's like actually yeah would cause her to act that way yeah so that's the kind of like the biggest like moniker like, it's like whoa like yeah it's definitely weird but we'll talk sure. about that yeah there's, there's <laughs> at, at the end I'll, I'll talk about the what she probably had oh, okay so 
the prosecution said that basically she was an epileptic with psychosis. Uh, they claimed that Father Wright, Father Alt, also had signs of schizophrenia <laughs> because they had a, several people be like, "I don't think this guy." <laughs> that's that's oh. never good. <laughs> yeah. So come to find out, when he the... wasn't even a Catholic. Like he wasn't even a priest. <laughs> Oof. So they say that the. The many medications that she was on actually did stop the seizures, but because of that, it kind of helped feed her psychosis. It's just something about the chemicals. Right. So, and the exorcism was only adding to her fantasy that she was possessed. And there was a lot of claims that in between the exorcism, she would act pretty normal. <laughs> I, I, I don't think towards the end, though. I think towards the end, she was a little... Well, I mean, once you have that full psychotic break. Yeah. So, the court ruled that Annalise was unable to make decisions for herself and should have been forced and forced to submit for medical care. Uh, so, they were all convicted of manslaughter and were sent to six months in prison. Yeah, I get it. I mean, look, if my kid's hands turn to bear paws, I just throw it out. Like, oh, yeah. gotta get rid of that one. <laughs> but hey, didn't you have three kids? I did. Yeah, you what happened? One, one got bear paws. <laughs> one, one had bear paws. What did you want me to do about it? I can't fix that. I, I've read all the parenting books and none of them say anything about bear paws. Yeah, there's not a single thing that I was prepared for in terms of that. This specific article I found is showing the large resurgence of exorcisms and uh, believed possessions in America. Yeah, I, I think... Since the past 20 years, there's been, like, uh, they've doubled in the number of exorcists in oh, America. I have numbers. Oh, good. Oh, yeah, good. I, I have all the... Yeah, so, uh, this initially began, um, sort of, this article itself, by a counselor, uh, Amy's, Amy's therapist, and one of her counselors, uh, one of which was Amy Harp. Uh, so, Louisa... Um, Louisa was a 33-year-old with a history of alcohol abuse uh, and was having one of her weekly sessions with her chemical dependency counselor, and this is in Tacoma, Washington. So Louisa had just separated from her husband um, and was at the counselor's, and they were discussing uh, the marriage. The counselor asked about her marriage, and you know, um, Louisa said she, that she was not ready to talk about it. The counselor pressed, because as they do, therapists and counselors, they sometimes press because they want to get you out of your shell, and they want to get you to start healing as soon as possible, and uh, the the conversation grew tense as um, the counselor recalls, and Louisa began to hyperventilate, which just is a regular, uh, sim- a regular symptom of panic attacks. Uh, anyone who suffers from anxiety disorder or panic disorder knows that if you're thrown into a sudden panic attack, you can sometimes begin to have hyperventilating. Oh, so the counselor rushed down the hall and grabbed Amy Harp, who was Louisa's therapist, and they moved Louisa, Louisa to Amy's office, uh, where they felt that it would be easier to calm her down. Once they got Louisa in there, uh, Amy Harp recalls uh, Louisa's demeanor transforming. Uh, Louisa, they called her normally a friendly and open person, started screaming and pulling out clumps of her hair. Uh, yeah. She growled and glared, her head flailed from side to side. Uh, Cocking back at odd angles, in jumbled bursts, she muttered about good and evil, God and the devil. She told the counselors that no one there could save Louisa. So she said the words, no one here can save Louisa. That doesn't sound like something Louisa would say. Yeah. 
so Harp then says, uh, Louisa seemed to, uh, kind of go between this unhinged state and her normal self, normal self. Uh, one moment she would be snarling, baring her teeth, much like an animal. And then seconds later, she'd be begging for help. Uh, this is an actual quote from Amy Harp. It definitely had this appearance where she was fighting within herself. Um, Harp had never seen anything like this before and had no clue what to do. She, I mean, yeah, what do you do? But that's the thing is, as a therapist, like, you've seen a decent amount of stuff, but this is some next level. And so, yeah, she she has no clue what to do, but she recalls that in some of the sessions, Louisa had uh, said she was experiencing episodes of um, an indescribable dark uh, energy overtaking her. And that Louisa said she would read scripture to just beat these states. So I've I've read uh, sometimes that just positive things help you. So if you like to meditate, um, praying is very similar to meditation. It releases the same type of like kind of calmness in the brain. And so uh, if you know praying helps you, then that's like totally like a normal thing. And so Louisa would feel these like dark like like she just felt dark and like this dark energy. And so she would, she would read scripture, yeah, and it would make sense. her feel better. Make you, make you feel like you're protected. Exactly. Um, whether it's a placebo effect, whether it is protection, who's to really say? Yeah. But that's what she would yeah, do. if it helps, it helps. Exactly. Especially with mental health, because mental health is so serious, and it isn't taken nearly as serious as it should be. Uh, someone who, as someone who's uh, dealt with like panic disorder um, for a while now, it is like detrimental, and it can really affect your daily life. And so, yeah, so what, whatever helps, helps. If this is what is cathartic for you, it's what's cathartic for you. And uh, so Harp decided to, uh, her, her, best, her best go at things was to pull out her phone and look up passages. Uh, she said as she read, she started, uh, Louisa began to calm down. Uh, the failing diminished and the frenzied effect ebbed. Uh, apparently Louisa vomited in the trash bin, uh, like right after she became her old self again and began profusely apologizing. Her eyes uh, were wet from crying and her face was bright red. Uh, this left Harp baffled, uh, with what she had just seen, something that she had never seen before and led her down a rabbit hole, if you will, to begin studying into Catholic faith. She left, uh, the regular modern medicine, uh, paths of mental health treatment and began looking at the, as this uh, says right here, the ritualized remedies of Catholic faith. Oh, okay. This is taking a weird turn. I didn't expect. Well, no, so it's like the, you know, she knows these, like, she's, she's a pr- mental health professional. Yeah, yeah. And this shook her beliefs to the very core, yeah, yeah. so much so that she felt that she wanted to look into things. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, it sounds like a great, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually, I'm pretty into the story. Yeah. yeah. And so that is Amy Harp and Louisa's interaction. And that's where they start off this article. So as they go through the article, they discuss that exorcisms occurred. Exorcism has occurred for a very long time dating back in human, like humanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, in ancient Mesopotamia, Babylonian priests perform exorcisms by casting wax figurines of the demons into fire. Uh, Hindu Vedas thought to have been written between 1500 and 500 BC that were referred to supernatural beings known as asuras. That's largely understood today as demons. So this kind of goes to show that just about every religion and every belief has this idea of these dark entities, these mm-hmm. dark beings. And uh, 
these things that challenge the gods and sabotage human affairs. This darkness that attempts to corrupt humans, as we discussed in the yeah, very beginning of the episode. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, if you don't have any understanding of mental health, I'm sure someone's screaming and freaking oh, out, then it's like, what absolutely. do we do? We melt a wax figure or something. And now they feel better. <laughs> do you think that, like, someone just did that and it worked, and then they were like, it's just one time it worked, and they were like, well, this is what we gotta do now. Probably. Makes sense. Yeah. Granted, I think, because, like, in terms of psychosis, if you're not in a full psychotic break, um, sometimes it's, like, little placebos that can help you. Yeah. And so thinking that you are better will make you better. And so thinking that that wax figurine will save you could possibly calm one down. Like, calm someone down. So, you know, who knows? Who's, who's to say once again? So, um, this then leads into uh, the rising of exorcisms and... Uh, the Catholic involvement in possessions in the U.S. Uh, there's an Indianapolis exorcist, uh, he's ordained and all that, who has received over 1,700 requests in 2018. At the, t- yeah, at the time when he had given the statement, he had received over 1,700 requests, and the year was not even over yet. Oh, wow. Yeah, so people are really believing the exorcists, like, exorcisms are needed. Mm-hmm. Um... So, polls also taken show that half of the U.S. population believe in possessions, and more than half believe in the devil, and these numbers are steadily growing. They've been kind of inclining uh, in more recent times. Um, So, previously, there had only been 15 recognized and trained Catholic exorcists. So, like I said, anyone could perform one, but Catholic does have these ordained and trained ministers to do it. And uh, so there were only 15 of them. They were recognized and trained, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, now there's an estimate, and there's not exact numbers because Catholic priest doesn't keep great documents, mm-hmm. but there's estimations uh, that the current number is closer to 70 to 100 trained exorcists now. Oh, wow. Yeah, they've they've more than like quadrupled. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's really up there. Uh, and also, as I mentioned much earlier in the episode, uh, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops uh, had discussed exorcisms and related topi- topics and had translated the uh, the rite of exorcism into English, which had never been in English before. Mm-hmm. So it's really becoming such a big thing, exorcisms, and having them done in America that it's genuinely seen as like the, like the Catholic Church is really like, oh, okay, we need to get on top of this. This is a situation we need to be on top of. Not any of their other situations. Yeah. Just exorcism. This is the most important thing happening to us right now. Yeah, this is... The Catholic Church doesn't have any other problems going on. I mean, the Catholics... Yeah, they're not still one of the only religions that doesn't allow females to be lead practicers. Yeah. It's so frustrating. But, yeah, so that's, that's my little statistics on exorcisms in America and how they're growing. So... That was our episode on demons, possessions, and exorcisms. Uh, I think now we can make some closing statements on beliefs. And as Jesse said, he has some theories on what was going on. So I'm going to start this off by like, this is a really complicated disease and I don't really understand it (laughs) completely. So if you have questions, I don't have answers to them. Uh, What I tell you is how I understand it. And I'm not 100% sure if how I understand it is 100% true. Oh, it's okay. Every time I talk into this mic... I just assume I'm spewing lies. All right. So, Spreading misinformation. So, to the best of my knowledge, this is what's believed to be the disease that people who believed it 
be possessed by demons have. So it's called anti-NMDA receptor encephalitis. So encephalitis. 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 <laughs> so basically, <laughs> the the most simple form is essentially that your immune system starts attacking your brain protein that's used for neurons to communicate. And so essentially what this does is give you, it makes it basically like you're on PCP. Mm. So, yeah, <laughs> that's, so when you have this disease, it, it often, it often can make you more agitated, paranoid, give you psychosis and violent behaviors. Then you could also get really, um, get seizures and have bizarre mute movements uh, and it can make you like twist your body and also like make your hands sort of in a weird mo- motion and it says like as if you're playing a piano like bear claws <laughs> i mean <laughs> if you're in a dark room it might look like bear claws there it is so yeah and so it can also like mess up with your perception and mess up your memory and also mess up how you speak and so one of the ways this is actually kind of interesting that it was kind of discovered is that there is this woman who uh who was having this also and so the dot no one could figure it's like my story where there's nothing wrong they can't tell anything's wrong with the brain uh so what they did is they had her draw a clock they're like draw a clock and so all the numbers were on the right side of the clock and she's like i did it and they're like, no. So, <laughs> no, you didn't. So, yeah, so essentially it's because it was attacking the right side of her body and so the right side, I mean, the right side of your brain and so the right side of your brain controls the left side. So she actually wasn't, like, perceiving the world correctly in her left eye and stuff. Okay. So, yeah. so yeah. And so this kind of explains why, like, uh, schizophrenia medication and stuff doesn't work on people with this. Wait, it's not schizophrenia. Yeah, it's not schizophrenia, so... So that's why it's like all this medication isn't working because schizophrenia isn't the problem. Right. So, yeah. That, that's, that's real neat. Mm-hmm. I, I am definitely biased in this because uh, I grew up with super like uh, like family who definitely believed in a lot of supernatural, mm-hmm. uh, especially when it came to like demons and hauntings. Um, so I'm, I'm a pretty firm believer that like there's malignant forces that do exist. I wouldn't say Christian demons or anything because I... Once again, who's to say? I'm not the firmest believer in Catholicism. I was raised Catholic. But I do think that there are malignant forces. Whether or not they possess, um, I can't say because I've never seen a possession. But I do think that they can have uh, negative effects on life, on on our lives. Just these uh, kind of dark energies. Well, I'd say... I, I mostly don't. I do. I do admit it's weird when people have knowledge of, like, like for example, she knew about that priest that was kicked out of the church. Right. So I will admit that's that's a weird. But overall, I think that maybe you should start at mental health. Oh, absolutely. If nothing's working, then maybe try a little bit of exorcism to see if it works. But yeah. but not to the extreme that I I've been reading about. Oh, for sure, because exorcisms go wrong so frequently. Like yeah. like the starving of people. That's yeah. like that's a serious problem. And so for sure, if you think a loved one might be possessed, just take them to the doctors. And if one doctor says something's wrong, take them to a second doctor. And if that doctor says something's wrong, take them to a third doctor. Get get three get three medical professionals to tell you there's nothing wrong with this man. 
Then go ahead. Then go ahead and swing them around the the Catholic Church a little bit. Well, maybe first just put like a cross on their forehead and be like, <laughs> "We're getting rid of the demon," and yeah. see if that works. And then do it in their sleep so like they can't go along with it. <laughs> like you press. Be like, oh, we exercise you, and they just wake up. Just, but yeah, I mean the teleportation. You oh know. man, Could explain you the teleportation, Jesse. Explain it. Explain <laughs> it with your science, fancy science man. Maybe he's just a real quiet boy. <laughs> he's just sneaking he around. Just the like house. sneaky, and he's fast. He's yeah. sneaky and fast. Yeah. He actually dug tunnels out no. under the farm. Oh no, I would not be into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ex- explain this with your science, science uh. boy. But yeah, um, so that was. Creepy Crawling Cryptids, and our episode on demons, possessions, and exorcisms. Um, we'll probably definitely be covering demons uh, and other exorcisms at some point again, because there really are just so many. Um, there's also a lot of cases with Ed and Lorraine Warren are involved. Oh, yeah, we're definitely going to do an episode. They have an incredibly interesting rap sheet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. This is Adam Gonzalez. And I'm Jesse Espinosa. And uh, we'll be seeing you guys next time. Unless we see you first. (laughs) Stupid.